Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ten-year-old daughter I do not want her to grow up in that world I want her to grow up in a world where it's okay to talk about pregnancy it's okay to talk about your period it's okay to talk about the gunk that comes out of your cervix and it's not an egg it's okay to talk about all these things because you've got every right to understand your bodies hello and welcome back to should I delete that I'm Em Clarkson and Alex has a mouthful of tea (laughs) I'm so sorry I thought I had more time than I did I'm Alex Light. As you went for that, I was like, you're a fool. (laughs) I did not time that very well. Hello, I'm Alex Light. (laughs) How are you doing? Good. I just washed my hair for the first time in a week. How gross. But it feels incredible. Welcome to my team. It feels so good. Like, it's just one of those, I just, I don't, I don't, I actually don't know why I haven't washed it, but I've just kept pushing it and pushing it. And then this morning I was like, oh my God, I'm going to wash my hair. And it just feels, I feel, I feel like. A Disney princess or something. I just feel amazing. Yeah, you do look beautiful. Oh, it's, look at it. All washed and clean. Stunning. There's something to be said for looking like an absolute trash bag six days out of seven. Because then when you do pull it out, you have to do the bare minimum. Totally. I'm just going to wash my hair and everyone's going to go, oh my God, you look amazing. What's different? Right. But every day when I wash my hair, I get so many compliments and I'm like, I could have these every day, but that would ruin it. <laughs> it would desensitize you. Agree. Yeah. I don't want the bar that high no. in my own life. Needs I'm setting to be myself low. up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That's kind of like how Is that I your good? like to live my life. Um, no. My my good, my good, my good is that we can't we can't really give any specifics because we don't have them. But we are talking progressively seriously about going on tour. We've been talking to promoters. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't ask your permission before I said that. You might have wanted to do like a huge reveal, but I feel like it's no. I just feel like it's it, it's very exciting, and we just isn't it scary? It's though? scary. It's we regional. Had such a big meeting yesterday. It's regional. Yeah. yeah, we had such a scary meeting yesterday. It was a roller coaster because you because because it's a it's a cruel world. This touring business. I can see it's why cutthroat. rock stars do drugs. Oh my god, are we going to end up? <laughs> Drug addicts after this. On drugs? <laughs> it's the only way to get through. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's a bit brutal, but we think we're getting there. Yeah, that'll be my good too. Okay, anything bad? Well, my awkward leads very nicely onto my bad. Um, so I'll just do both if that's all right. Um, my awkward is that Betty sneezed into my mouth. It was a horrifying moment for both of us. Way too intimate. She hasn't really looked at me since. I can't really look Licky at her. Licky Linda, she's stepping it up Shit, a notch. Sneezy Susan. <laughs> right in my mouth, like it hit the back of my throat and everything. And your reflex <laughs> is the swallow, isn't it? Anyway, that is, <laughs> it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But I did. And I was like, Dave, I just swallowed her sneeze. <laughs> um, oh. That's my awkward. And then I put it on Instagram and I was like, ha ha, she just sneezed into my mouth. She just sneezed into my mouth. Like, lol, do I need to go to A&E? Right? I mean, this story was up for like 15 minutes. And in the space of these 15 minutes, I had about, I think I had six DMs saying something saying all all along the lines of your waste this is such a waste of the nhs's time like this is this is like precious valuable time that you're wasting and i'm like guys do you honestly think i'm gonna put myself in the car trundle myself off to a and e get there get asked what's your accident or emergency and go 
my dog sneezed in my mouth. It was obviously a joke. And my reflex yeah. was to swallow it. <laughs> Your respect for the NHS is on the floor. <laughs> Clearly. That's so what <laughs> So, so yeah. So I had to clarify that it was indeed a joke. Anyway. My bad actually is not too dissimilar, uh, given um, it's a segue from, from A&E. I wasn't going to go to A&E because I do care about the NHS and their precious Unlike me. resources. <laughs> But I, did, unlike you, you selfish bitch, but I did consider um, going to a walk-in centre, which is an irony considering my ailment. My toenail, I did not want to talk about it. I wanted to let it go. I never wanted to bring it up again. I hate myself. Okay, and I'm sorry, guys. I hate myself, but I'm telling you, it's gone from bad to very, very, very bad. It's so painful. Last night, because I don't sleep, well, I do. I would like to, but I'm not at the moment. It's just not not, not in that era. Um, I was up with Arlo at like 3.30. She finally went back to sleep and I was lying there for over an hour. I couldn't sleep because my toe was throbbing so much. Oh so what did I do? For the first time since I got an infected toenail, I Googled it, which I hadn't done yet. Well, when I tell you, I was, I was on the mum's net forums for hours and general consensus is that I have to go to a walk-in centre on uh, sharpish um because otherwise my toe might fall off it was very scary or you might get sepsis don't say that Alex I've just taught myself round <laughs> to not go to the no, walk-in no, I think centre I don't no I'm not going because I don't want to waste NHS resources but I have booked to go, I had to Google it and I hate myself for having to Google it for infected toenail specialist near me. And I have found a podiatrist around the corner and I have an appointment tomorrow afternoon for them to deal with it. So I'm doing something about it. You and say it's, it's, every it's single so week, painful. you say, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want this to be my thing. I don't want to bring it up. And every single week, without fail, you bring this up. I feel up. like I you want to talk about this. So let's talk about it. So I think you, you, yeah, you definitely have to see someone because it could get infected into okay. your bloodstream. Yeah, I know. Okay, but I you know. are seeing someone. Okay, yeah, and actually, it looks fine. Like, my toes still look... I've got stunning feet. I've always said this about myself. <laughs> and they still look great. Like, it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. That's what's really weird. Like, it looks absolutely fine. Apart from occasionally, it gets a bit red. And I've been doing everything right out. I, I do hot soaps every night with Epsom salts, and then I put magnesium sulfate on it, and I wear the plasters, and I change the dressing twice a day. Like, I'm being so good. Mm. But it's not working. And you know one of my feet grew when I was pregnant? One of my feet yeah. is still a six, and now one of them's a seven, and I've been crushing my little feet, and this is... Uh, it's on the big foot. it's on foot. the big foot. It's on the big foot. So I think I've just been like Cinderella's ugly stepsisters cramming my massive trotter yeah. into my old little shoes. You might have to go up to a and seven. And I've hurt myself. Well, I know, but Al, the other one is still very much a six. So the other day I had to wear odd shoes. I went to that track day to do the driving and I had to get one size six plimsoll and one size oh seven because they're very adamant that the shoes have to fit properly because you're using pedals. That is so weird. So I had to have odd shoes. It's so annoying. <laughs> I don't want this to be my thing. It, it one, is. Of my big, one of my things. <laughs> it is. It's not your thing. That is so weird. Are you going to have to like... Oh my God, you're going to have to destine yourself to like a lifetime of buying two pairs of shoes just so that one I know, fits. I know, I Because know. I don't it's think so retailers in my offer right now. That. No, I know. And there's a gap in the market. Pick a mix. Know, it's not inclusive. No, I don't think you can pick a mix. <laughs> it's so annoying. Because <laughs> my left one, it's roomy as hell. I'm like wiggling my toes around. It's true. These shoes I'm wearing, because of my running trainers, they're a seven and a half. So my left foot is swimming in there. My right foot... Fits well. It's so annoying. Did it grow during pregnancy or after pregnancy? I just want to know what I've got to look out for. <laughs> I actually think it might have been after. It's so weird. It's so weird. Just one foot. And that's not even my awkward. Whilst we're chatting, awkwardly. Okay. Go on. I've stolen this awkward. <laughs> okay, love it. One of my goods, apart from the tour, is that Georgie's back. Georgie's been gone for ages. Yes. I didn't see her before because everyone had COVID. Arlo had COVID and... And Alex had COVID, so and Georgie's vulnerable, so we didn't see Georgie when we all had COVID. Then she went on the cruise. We haven't seen her for like three weeks, which is like the longest since Arlo's been born. So she came over last night. Missed her so much, so great. Had a lovely time. Ate pizza. Lovely, lovely, lovely. She did a bath time, bedtime with Arlo. We ate pizza. Stunning. Bye. Bye, Georgie. Georgie says, Bye. Arlo's crying. I've got to go. I closed the door. And then I get a voice note from Georgie. There is a man <laughs> on the other side of our street. Yeah. With his arm up in the air. And she looks at him and says, thinks to herself, well, it must be one of their neighbours. Obviously, me and Em look quite similar. He, it's dark. Yeah. He probably thinks I'm Em. 
So she waves back. This man was not waving. Oh, no. He was holding his key in the air to lock his car at the other oh, end of the street. God. <laughs> <laughs> but she gave him arm, arm up wave, which it's not my awkward, but he lives on the street and he definitely thought that was me. Like he'll be like, God, there was a weird woman coming out of that house. And now when he sees me coming out of this, he'll just know forever that in this house, there's a weird woman that waved at him. He won't know that that weird woman lives four miles north. He just, he'll just think it was me. So thanks, Georgie. How embarrassing. (laughs) Further, further ruining my reputation on the street. Oh my God. Her awkward really is your awkward. Love this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this week's guest, really special one for me. We'll explain why in the episode. Um, but this is also such an informative one about all about fertility, demystifying fertility, discharge, which I have a bone to pick with them. You'll see it comes up. But we have the brilliant Emma, the embryologist, on today and hope you enjoy. Hi, Emma. Hello. Thank you. Just as if we haven't been chatting for an hour, but hi. Thank you so much for coming in to join us today. Thank you for having me. You are an embryologist, which is very fucking cool, and (laughs) a lab manager at the Evewell, which is the clinic that I went to, um, to have all my treatment all my fertility treatment yes which is how we came to know each other I was kind of thinking on the way here like how do I explain our relationship but I think you have seen honesty is the best policy (laughs) I think you've seen my embryos up close close and personal what does an egg look like when it's just naked oh well they don't Oh, we start in there. Okay, they don't come out <laughs> naked. Um, they come out, yeah. So they come out of the ovaries, surrounded by a ball of cells, and then we have to do some fancy stuff to them to get all that off. And then we oh, then we shells, can see the making. But they have got a shell on them. No way. Yeah, a bit like chicken eggs. They have to have a shell on them, otherwise they wouldn't stay together. So they're individually, or do they're, they all go? They're individually wrapped. No, they are actually. They are individually wrapped inside like a ball of cells. So when they come out, they are. If you're imagining you're ovulating naturally, they would come out in a ball of cells, float down your fallopian tube, hopefully meet a sperm. Um, Bob's your uncle. Just the one egg. One egg a month, if normally. Um, Obviously, what we're doing with IVF um, means that we try and get more of them to try and get a bunch of them to try and make lots of them. Cool. So you don't break the shell? No, you don't. No, you don't break the shell. You do go through it to put the sperm in, but you don't break it. We leave it intact. I have so many questions. I didn't realise I had so many questions. There are can so I keep questions. going with this or can we come back to this? You can keep going for a small amount of time because okay, I, I so, do need to ask you sorry. something. If, someone na- <laughs> if someone's naturally ovulating yeah. and the, the like, it's a gooey discharge, right? It's the egg coming down. No, the, the gooey discharge one. comes oh, from your cervix. It. It's got nothing to do with your ovaries or what's, your fallopian oh, tubes. Oh, wow. Okay, what's the oh. egg that comes out? It doesn't come out. It stays in your body. It comes out of your ovary. Uh-huh. You have sex. If this, if we're talking about normal, no, 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 we're talking about like the the months where you don't have a baby. Nothing. No, you you don't you don't ever see your egg. It's uh, so put it in context. An egg. Okay, let's go. Let's let's make this really easy. An egg in its most basic shell form is mm. about one tenth of a millimeter in size. So if you can imagine okay. a ruler, what? It's actually bigger than I thought. It's a hundred mic. It's, a, a, it's tenth a cell in the- of a millimeter. Wait, so that that must be visible to the naked eye. If you know what you're looking at, I know. I can see them just about. A tenth really. of a millimeter. Yeah. They're a hundred microns across. That's the tiniest little thing in the world. It's the biggest cell in the human body. Sorry, a tenth of a millimeter. Oh, I'm going to love this. I'm going to blow your mind. In the human body. <laughs> a tenth <laughs> of a millimeter. Yeah. Am I getting that right? Is in millimeters or a tenth of a yeah. centimeter? So we call them micrometers. So it's a hundredth of a centimeter. Yes. Oh, I don't think you could see that with your naked eye. You can. Eye. You can if you know what you're looking for. Just about. You can see the dots in the dishes. But, but I don't ever just, I don't move them around like that. I have microscopes yeah. <laughs> that help me. <laughs> Trying to I put the sperm I into have, like, I'm not about to announce I'm some sort of superhero. <laughs> Actually, guys, I've got yeah. x-ray vision. But that's just amazing. And that's the biggest cell. The biggest cell in the human body. Wow. Worth. Hmm. Okay. Now, Petri if I tell you the sperm really is the smallest cell in the human body, Never. then I'm going to blow your mind. And then you put them together and humans that get made that kind of figures so so that dish <laughs> that's done that it discharge, yeah, tiny little sperms. <laughs> discharge, yeah. the discharge is to do with your estrogen levels at the time of ovulation they go up uh, to a point that forces your body to ovulate and the discharge that you see at the time of ovulation is is because you are estrogenized that is a word um and that's right. what you see it's got nothing to the eggs the eggs in your 
The egg's in a different part of your body. You told me that the discharge <laughs> was the egg. Was the egg I was thought, to bring the egg okay, down. So what I thought, <laughs> what I thought was like fully true, was that it was like the white of the egg. You know when you like <laughs> an egg, and it's just a goo. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, my egg. No. Emma, we don't deserve you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know these questions. I'm one bit worried, but yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> this is someone who's just had a year of fertility treatment as well. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've just had a kid. Yeah, <laughs> like, but you know, you managed it, so it's yeah. fine. Why yeah. do you need to know all this shit? Fuck it's no. fine. That's mad. Okay, that is mad. Sorry, you okay, said when then. I got here that you were going to blow my mind. I am going to blow your mind. I, I've already, I've already had it blown. I was talking to Emma just before we started, right? And I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear what you answer. <laughs> Why do men have nipples? Is it because they start out as? women and everyone oh starts as a woman I never thought you would get that I knew that everybody starts as a woman and then they become because that's what the, the cervix is the same anatomy as a penis right but then it just becomes an outward one rather than an so hold one. on a minute you know that but we're not quite sure about the egg coming this is amazing <laughs> this is amazing yes that's exactly my right but discharges the egg white my favourite thing about myself is I'm so inconsistent <laughs> sorry if that's the egg white what about the yolk what did you think happened to the yolk <laughs> yeah you're right, you're right. <laughs> no I don't, I don't know I'm <laughs> <laughs> always been really confused and I think okay truthfully I'm interested because I was always interested in the I get the, the I get the biology of, of human starting like the nipple thing but with the eggs I was always very confused because I and I genuinely think it's because I was on birth control since I was 15 to uh, well I mean I, I sh- shouldn't have been I don't think I with hindsight I'm like oh my god it's actually wild that I've been I was on hormonal contraception for like 10 years mm. but I just didn't know my body because I didn't you didn't make normal discharge so yeah. I didn't really have a clue and then I had six months off it before I got pregnant and I was like oh jazzy discharge and I just kind of thought I, like, well, I didn't even know that ovulation wasn't a period like, I didn't know anything about myself and that is why we're here because yeah. doesn't that scare you it yes, is that actually we're having this conversation and we don't yeah. understand our own bodies yeah. and that, that that I think is what makes me do what I do because I'm like this is not okay no. women need yeah. to understand and I do think this. like we're not taught it like I think I must have been taught obviously taught the, the nipple thing and the cervix <laughs> thing and whatever yeah. about like you know the basic biology of making a human which means if it, if you thought it was going to blow my mind did it blow your mind it blew <laughs> my mind actually Emma can you explain quickly for any listeners whose minds also might be blown so when you create an embryo the embryo the egg is always what we call an x chromosome which is female because they just are and it's the sperm that decides decides the gender mm. of the baby or the embryo so one some sperms will be x some sperms will be y and it depends which one gets into the egg that creates the embryo will, that will from the minute of fertilization has a pre-designed gender but that gender so the y chromosome doesn't actually sorry guys actually do much apart from act as a genetic switch to change the embryo from its default which is a female to this male which exactly what you've just described em which is yeah. The, the the anatomy changes so you yeah. end up with testicles instead of um, ovaries you end up with a penis instead of a cervix and it is literally that switch that comes from the y chromosome but it doesn't happen until six or seven weeks gestation so, it's, so you're you are so you are sex we know you're female all embryos are developing for the first six weeks in the default they go through That's what's the, the default matriarchy. and that is the female worth we're like bumblebees then I haven't got a clue about bumblebees. I actually know quite a lot about bumblebees. Go for it. <laughs> well, they, they determine the gender. They they choose. They can choose what sex. Sorry, not gender. They choose what sex they want their the offspring to be. So they'll only make like a tenth or even less of them to be male because it's the female bees that do all the working. I got really sorry, into bees a couple choose? of years how ago. How can they choose? Because they only need the men to to carry on making bees. They don't need the men for work because they're not as good at working as women. So they they only make a finite amount of men. They only make like six or something. So they've got the mm. men, and then just to it's keep a lot of animals that can have gender design. Like amphibians are really good. If you cool, put amphibians it? in a whole single sex environment, one of them can change gender. Really, it's Jurassic Park. I only learned that from that. Nice. Jeez. I always think <laughs> with like Henry VIII and stuff, and when you see those gender reveals of like men getting really pissed off that they're having a girl, and I'm always like, yeah, but you did that. Like that was on you. That was yeah. They didn't know job. that back then. They didn't know that back then, so the women got uh, blamed for that as well. Yeah, well, oh, they, really? I, I still feel like women do get. When I see these stupid yeah, gender reveals, and you can see that men are like pissed off that it's gone all pink. It's your fault. I'm like, yeah, that was your, your stupid fault, sperm. Yeah. Should have sent a man down there. Fascinating. If you cared that much. 
God, we've got so many questions. I, I can tell this is going to be. And we've got, we've got <laughs> listener can questions. Ones? Can I ask oh, one on. for myself? Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so I know someone who swears down that she, she decided, I bet she did, that she determined the, the sex of her children. Bullshit. Obviously bullshit. She's like, yeah, I had a lot of baths with my son because I really wanted a boy and it made a bath. Anyway, I know that's a load of shit. But is there something to be said? I, I read somewhere when I was pregnant that if you have sex at the beginning of your ovulation or at the yeah. end, that it would determine the No, sex. because the sperm... I mean, there is some... You can, if you, I mean, look, if you look hard enough at anything on Google, you'll find what you want to find, right? Because don't you stop looking when you found the bit you want to find. That's... But stunning. It's so, so true. <laughs> That's my favourite thing about the internet. It's like I can pretty much always find what I want. So, there, yeah, I mean, the idea is that female sperm swim quicker than yeah. male sperm and all that. It's all nonsense. It's all absolutely nonsense. Really? Otherwise, I mean, with the amount of technology we've got and what we can do now, do you not think we would have got there? And we would have had this amazing outcome of... um you know have sex on this day and you're going to have a girl and no, it doesn't work like that nutrition no you can't change it at the end of the day it's just which sperm gets up there and which one gets in and nice. is it true that and they work as a pack so it's not like there's just one sperm that gets into the egg they have that to work feels together very as a pack. sorted somehow <laughs> it's like a pack of it does, sperm doesn't it yeah they have to work as a pack. is it true that collectively we're more likely to have boys than girls so if you by... look at the, yeah the gender the gender female divide yeah. is i think 50.3 are males and 49.7% are females. And we don't know why. Well, I suppose if you look at evolution, it's probably because women will outlive men. It's it's generally accepted that... And I, I presume it's just an evolutionary thing, but if you do okay. do a gender count on a man's sperm, it doesn't sit exactly at 50-50. It's about 51-49. Boys to girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, how fascinating They're is not that? feminists at their core. <laughs> <laughs> they just... <laughs> They're trying to out... Yeah, yeah, out yeah exactly. Time. See, Where's the equality? We see your little sperm. Your perm, <laughs> try sperm it. pack. Just try it. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. okay. So the reason you're here, in your yeah. own words, you are on a mission to reduce fertility journey anxiety. Yeah. And that's across the board, whether conceiving naturally or IVF. And we asked listeners for questions. And as you know, because I showed you a lot of them, we had a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're just gonna dive straight in if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. And totally I think we fine. should start at trying to conceive. A lot of people asking when to seek help with trying to conceive. At what point? It's it's a great question, and I'm probably going to say this far too much during this podcast. But everything is about context. Everything we do, every discussion we have, has to be context driven. There is no right or wrong answer for a person's family journey or when they should do this. I think we talked about this earlier is people need to butt out of everyone's lives and stop telling them what to do. Ultimately, trying to conceive is inc- can be an incredibly exciting time. It can also turn into a bit of a fucking nightmare yeah. because if it's not working, it's searching around for that information that's going to help you and support you through just isn't there. Hence the reason we're all sat here having this chat. I would say that if you are anywhere especially early 30s, mid 30s, and it's been six to eight months, get yourself in your GP. There is, yeah. There are tests that can be done. They don't, they don't need to cost a fortune. No one's out, you know, no one's going to start pushing you down the fertility clinic route and all of that. But I think what's really important is people, if you are trying to conceive, get the right information about how to conceive. We've just talked about the fact yeah. that actually none of us really understand our bodies and what we should be looking for for ovulation. There is so yeah. much good education out there on this now. Mm. There's a wealth of people doing, trying to conceive, you know, a to Z's and all of that to help mm. people understand that and to get it right so that it happens quicker. And if it's not happening, go and get some help. Yeah. Because the longer you leave it, the older you get. And the older you get, the harder it gets. Yeah. So for me, I'd say it's context led is how old are you when mm. you're starting to mm. try to conceive? And we'll put it into numbers. They say that women under the age of about 40 in the first year, 80 to 85% of people will conceive in the first 12 months. They say under 40, under 40. Yeah. The first um, 12 months, 80 to 85 percent of people will conceive in the following six months, up to 18 months. You should get to about 90. Mm-hmm. In the, then mm-hmm. if you go to two years, you actually only increase that by two percent. So you're always left with a population of people that won't conceive. And those are the people that end up needing some sort of reproductive support. Right. One in five couples will seek reproductive advice. Yeah. One in eight couples will need help. OK. It's massive. That's a lot. It's a lot. And from my experience, 
a lot of that is driven by the lack of education that we're giving young women mm. to acquire the help they need, the understanding they need, the reproductive advocacy they need. And also, I think what we'll, we'll probably talk about a lot today is what we can do. But what I'd like to go back to is how we make people a bit more aware. Mm. so that when this all happens if it all happens you are aware of what you need to do to take the right steps because most of the people mm. I see and sit in front of me most of the one in eight are of advanced what we call advanced maternal age mm-hmm. and because nobody actually bothered to yeah. have the conversation mm. and if I have to sit in front of one more 40 year old woman that said to me why did no one tell me this yeah then it's just something I have to do every day and I want it to stop. I've got a 10-year-old daughter. I do not want her to grow up in that world. No. Yeah. I want her to grow up in a world where it's okay to talk about pregnancy. It's okay mm. to talk about your periods. It's okay to talk about the gunk that comes out of your cervix <laughs> and it's not an egg. It's okay <laughs> to talk about all these things because you've got every right to understand your bodies. Mm. So my advice is don't leave it very long. Your GPs are there yeah. to help you and if they don't help you, go and see a different GP. Sperm counts, the first thing you need to do. I was going to say, what are the tests? First thing you need to do is to have a sperm count. It's the easiest thing to look at. 40, even potentially 50% of our reproductive failures now are male factor. There are things we can do, wow. that's, but it's I, important that's we know. That's a shock. Because mm. yeah. I think, like, I'm vaguely aware of that as a statistic, but also I feel like societally... Maybe because it happens to the woman's body, but it does feel like it's fertility is a woman's issue. Yeah, we know that in the last fifty years, male sperm counts have declined by two thirds. So we know, and that there's not a lot we can do about that. We've, you know, lifestyle, environmental factors, just where we are. I mean, it is fertility is on the decline, but the point is, it's about knowing what you can. And there are things we can do about it, and we'll probably touch on it later. But go and get a sperm count. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. Maybe mm-hmm. not. They don't think it is, but it absolutely is compared yeah. to what the women have to do. They just have to wank, wank in a pot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of stories around that <laughs> that we might could do a whole other podcast on. Um, the good, the bad and the ugly. I've got some very funny ones. But women, you need to go and speak to your GP about making sure are your cycles regular? You know, start tracking things, start looking at things like your menstrual cycles. Your menstrual cycles tell you a huge amount about mm. yourself. You should be having periods regularly. Do you think with that, do you think tracking apps are good? Yeah, I think I think it helps you get some reproductive control and understanding. I think as long I think some of the tracking acts can be really good because they tell you what other things to look out for, like signs of ovulation and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I think they can be really helpful. But you absolutely need to get like you've got to get your own control over this. So yeah, yeah, first things to look at menstrual cycles. Like, is it normal? Speak to your GP. Mm. The longer this goes on, the more stressed everyone gets, the older everyone gets, and that's just counterproductive. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, not to throw a massive spanner in the works, but I, I went to my, for three years, I think, three years now over, I haven't had a period. Mm. And I went to my GP about it last November. Mm. And I just got the referral yet- letter yesterday. Horrendous, isn't it? Horrendous, yeah. And I was really confused because I got it and it was, it was, a scan I was like I've I've had my scans now I don't need another scan I don't I'm confused I rang up the hospital and they said oh this is for your referral for for missing periods it's like I'm pregnant okay. I'm pregnant definitely not having them anymore yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my but god oh, that's so bad it's really so bad. bad it's really yeah. bad but okay so let's I think one of the questions you have there is about home kits right which I did as so, well yeah. yeah so let's let's go there so there are companies now offering home testing reproductive kits i am a little bit sat on the fence with them about the sperm i think it's okay in the fact that they can tell you there's sperm there and they can tell you that they're probably moving what they can't tell you about the sperm is the shape and a lot of my diagnosis comes from how the sperm looks which you can't do right on a i think like a faux pas pregnancy testing thing that you run the semen in one side and if it comes up blue or something it's okay you still need to have a semen analysis done, a proper sperm check. Yeah. But actually, there are some really good companies out there now starting to help women. I mean, no, it's not so much of a fertility thing, but it's more of a understanding, awareness, reproductive awareness. Yeah. They're not all created equal. Some of them are better than others. There is a company called Hertility at the moment that have got a lot of funding and have done really well. The Times have put them up as like this big to watch company and they are advocating for women having blood tests done at, in from home and reviewing all the different types of results to talk about your reproductive health. So mm. I there mean, are I companies. can per- personally vouch for them. That's the one that I you, used. Yeah. yeah, and it came back with low AMH. And I honestly just thought, I've pricked my finger and mm. put a bit of blood, mm. tiny bit of blood in the thing. There's no way they, they know from that mm. how what my ovarian reserve is. And then it's when I came to the Eve well. 
So the woman that set that company up is a molecular geneticist. So she's probably one of the cleverest people I know. Yeah. And so she is... There's no way she could know. (laughs) I was like, nah, fuck this. Tiny bit of blood, no way. So when they developed the company, it was from that level of experience of... um, Which is why, like I said, they're not all created equal, but there are definitely better products out there than others. So the GP weight thing is... That's awful. Yeah. (laughs) But you shouldn't have to go through what you went through because your situation is... A little bit more unusual of not having periods for three years. That does need quite a different level of investigation. Um, and it should have been quicker. So, Hertility. Yeah. Hertility, Would, you, would yeah. you recommend everybody get a grasp of their... Yeah. Of their... I form? think one of the other questions you've got is when? Now. Like, yeah. absolutely now. If I get my way and... Yeah. yeah I'm a bit like Marmite. You either love me or you hate me. And I'm trying to get into the schools. <laughs> like, uh, senior schools. Yeah. yeah. Because actually, I feel so passionate about this. Yeah. Now. Like so, so, learn about yourself now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Now, okay. So, say someone at the age of twenty-five does the fertility test. It comes back with a low AMH. Mm. What do you then suggest that she does? Again, it depends on what their future plans are. And it's really difficult when yeah. you're that young. I'm not sure yeah. they are aimed at women that young. Whether, whether okay. unless you are trying to develop a family, I wouldn't want to. As a not non-clinician, I'm not going to go into that area too much. Remember, a low AMH does not determine your ability to get pregnant can you tell us what amh is for the sorry it's an anti-malarian hormone so it talks about your ovarian reserve so it talks about how many eggs are left in your ovaries and it's a number that correlates to that Mm. what it doesn't correlate to is your fertility it doesn't correlate to how fertile you are and if you're going to have sex this month and get pregnant because at the end of the day if you're ovulating and you're of a good age group and all of that then that's what determines that what your amh tells us is is your fertility waning early? Mm-hmm. Or if we are going to do IVF, how many drugs we need to give you? We use it really, really proactively in IVF day to day because we're trying to work out what drugs to give women to make them have an egg collection. So remember, that's where that came from. But it's also a really good reproductive marker. Uh-huh. But it does not mm. determine your ability to get pregnant next month at the age of 25. Mm. And that, I think, needs to be really... And I think what I love about the fertility test is it comes with a whole heap of information about mm. what this actually means. Yeah. Because what we don't want to do is then encourage people to go into dangerous life choices or difficult life choices where without mm. the right support and advice. So all of these things need to come with the right clinical understanding. Yeah. 'Cause if you go and get the test, it's kind of taking a step, isn't it, to be like Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. When I did it, I wish I hadn't done it. I wished at that time that I hadn't done it. Yeah. When it came back low, because I was like, that means I have to do something about it now. Like yeah. I have to make a decision. Mm. It was nice when like ignorance is bliss, but actually it was so good that I found out. Like, thank mm. God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think there's two sides to every conversation, yeah. isn't there? But the one I would like to advocate for is that you you get the right advice. Oh, well, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and also yeah. I know that the sad thing is, or the frustrating thing is, is actually that the one friend I'm thinking of who I've had this conversation with, she wants to go and get it, but she's scared, mm. and I think that's like, it's, and I don't know if it's always been there, but it does feel like there's a this background 
kind of terror in a lot of women that it's not going to be easy for them. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, unfortunately, that's a lot to do with the media and how they've portrayed fertility and fertility treatment in general. Yeah. It's not ever been positive. It's not ever had a positive aspect to it. It's always been this real negative money-making industry that isn't there to do anything but do that. Again, we're not all created equal. And actually, some of us actually do just want to do what's right and help people get the right advice. So... Um, I think the media has done us a really, really bad disservice in that. Yeah. What do you? What would you like to see the media changing? I'd like them to be a bit more asking the right questions of really good clinicians and asking them what all these tests mean for women and when we mm. like having this sort of conversation about yeah. actually no one's telling you what you need to do, but stop slamming us. Stop slamming us as these awful entities that are actually trying to make people come through the door and do egg yeah. freezing and that. No one's trying to do that. What we're trying to do is give people reproductive control back. Yeah, I keep seeing yeah. these like like op-eds i guess but like sort of instagram infographics being like mm. is egg freezing just a money-making scale like does it really yeah. work like, very like stylist and grazia are doing them very mm. like it's a contentious thing and it's like is it it, it should be impact it feels i don't know it feels like mm. that it's all up for debate a lot which maybe it has to be you know in order to keep everything transparent but then I still have, from my head, this kind of, not a shame around IVF in terms of shame of needing it, but when we were growing up, it always felt like it was talked about as, like, some sort of rich game that mm. people were playing, yeah. like... Mm. But I... Isn't that awful? Yeah, it's only as I've yeah. got older, I'm like... <laughs> oh, my God, like, that's horrendous. Because you must have been... Everyone I'm watching do IVF now, I'm like, this is the most traumatising and horrendous it's thing, awful. and yet the way we yeah. talk about it, it's like or talked about it when I don't know what do you know what, do you yeah, know what no, I mean? no totally and I yeah. think actually what you just touched on there was it is the most horrendous thing it shouldn't be no because actually medically it's actually quite doable it's yeah. actually very medical medically doable I think all we've created is this fear around it yeah and a lot of this is because we don't understand it yeah so if we can understand what's going to happen from A to B and we understand the risks involved and why it might not work and how it mm. in my age group why will it work and all of those questions I think we can alleviate some of the horrendousness yeah so that it just becomes this medical process that you completely understand and you go from A to B yeah and that's hopefully where we're trying to get to okay mm. yeah yeah, I've never really thought about the optic, like yeah, the yeah. sort of the narrative around mm. it, particularly when we. It's were very up. negative. Yeah, it's a very negative narrative. Yeah, I know someone it. who had, yeah. but it's like it would be like people who had twins of a certain age, and people would be like, "Oh, must have been an IVF kid," and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. "What? Yeah. Like, why do you? Like, it's only, it's only literally now it's all clicking in my head. I'm like, oh my god, that's a really fucking weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah I remember someone saying to me, "My friend's me. got twins, and she gets that all the time." Really, so they're identical. Yeah, it, was, it was just one of those things, but wow. and actually, again, what we talked about. um is like, why do people come up to you and think it's okay to say something like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, you're really weird. Why do they care? And why do you care? Yeah, why do you care how you made the baby? Yeah, exactly. Really weird. Really weird. Never really thought about that. Um, so, speaking of freezing eggs, mm -hmm. a lot of people are asking, because obviously, is there a certain point past which you shouldn't freeze your eggs because of the quality of the eggs declining due to age? Someone's asking, I'm 34 mm -hmm. is it too late for me to freeze my eggs oh we're gonna get sciencey now <laughs> okay let's go let's let's try and make this a science bubble that i can probably encompass quite a lot of the questions you've got on there so there is no cliff there is no cliff That's that we're question. all like, we are not all falling off a cliff at 35 <laughs> the fertility cliff there is no yeah. cliff that we we can have our happy birthday to you <laughs> bang you're on the floor is there not no it doesn't work like that but there is a decline and okay. the decline has to be noted because it is very real. Mm -hmm. We are born with all our eggs. Mm -hmm. As females, we are born with our eggs. And throughout our lifetime, we will those egg stores will become depleted. Mm. They will become depleted throughout our, mainly after our puberty years. Well, actually, I'm not going to go into it, but you lose quite a lot even when you're a child. But as you go through puberty, you're releasing one egg a month or mm. one or two eggs a month. You're actually recruiting quite a lot. And then one becomes the, the chosen one being out it pops and you do that for about 30 35 years of your life as your egg stocks dwindle you then go into the menopause and that's why you end up being perimenopausal menopausal and you then stop right because your eggs are your ovaries are empty that's what causes yeah. menopause what happens is because you're born with all your eggs they're bought they're like in a stasis of like a dormant sleep state and that's fine for a while but as we age that dormant sleep state and then they start to be awoken to be recruited for ovulation after you're 35, 36, 37 and onwards, they start to make more mistakes because they've been dormant for so long. 
Oh, bless them. So oh, when you're younger and you're ovulating, your eggs are most likely, and we call it genetic competence. So we're talking about the genetics that allows you to be human. And what, the only way I can term it without going into what me and Alex were discussing earlier. If anyone wants a good thing, I've, on my Instagram, there is a library analogy where I talk about the difference between chromosomes and genes and why it all matters. But ultimately, mm-hmm. it's called genetic competence to being a human being. Mm-hmm. Right? So as we get older more of our eggs are genetically incompetent because they have been in our bodies for 35, 36, 37, 38 years. And that decline happens quite much more rapidly after we're 37 than it does in our 20s or early 30s. So what we know is that a woman in 35, of all the eggs she's ovulating, we expect about 60% of them to still be genetically competent. At 35? At 35. By the time you're 37, we think Mm -hmm. it's about... 50%. 50%. By the time you are 38, we think it's about 40. By the time you're 39, we think it's 30. 40, it's 25. 41, it's 15. 42, it's 10. So there's your decline. It's not a cliff. That's gradual. But it's gradual, but it's fairly speeds up, right? Because until okay. until you're 35, we think everyone sits around. Even in your early 20s, you're going to have abnormal eggs. Everyone has abnormal eggs. Can I ask about the genetically incompetent yeah. eggs? Yeah. Would they, um, pr- would they be eggs that would be unable to be fertilised? No. Or would they be eggs that could be fertilised but not create a viable pregnancy? So that's a really good one because I think the misconception when you're trying to conceive is that you're not getting fertilisation. That's yeah. probably not true. Okay. Fertilisation is actually the easy bit for eggs and sperm to do in most scenarios unless there is a really, really, really low sperm count or a really, really problematic ovulation like like what you were having. Yeah. So if you're ovulating and you've got no- normal sperm, there is an embryo. They're right. de- like if you're trying for 12 months there's definitely six or seven or eight embryos really the difference is is, is that embryo compatible for implanting into the lining of your womb, uterus right. also called a womb alex i just <laughs> learned that yesterday we don't want to talk about it <laughs> you learned um, that yesterday yeah, so you've had a year yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> dream. sorry alex um thanks that, that, that's right that's right that's, that's my favorite thing i've learned about you today um so so the embryo, it's to do with its then c- compatibility with being able to go on and make a human. I think I'm going to throw it out there and it, it might not go down very well, but nature has actually got a really good quality control mechanism and yeah. it is actually in a way the kindest thing. So it will stop embryos growing. Nature's like, the, if you imagine an embryo has got a blueprint, right? And if the blueprint's incorrect, the embryo will just, it can't grow, it can't build itself. So it depends on how incorrect that blueprint is to when that stoppage happens. So it either stops before you get pregnant mm-hmm. or it causes a miscarriage mm, in most right. occasions. Not in all, um, but in most occasions. So as we age, we have more genetically incompetent eggs. You'll find that women, as they get older, struggle to conceive, have more miscarriages, um, have more affected pregnancies. So all of these things are related to age, but it is not a cliff. So the question about okay. when you freeze your eggs is I think if we can try and put it into a numbers game, if you can imagine that at 34, we expect mm. 60 or 70% of your eggs to be genetically normal, how many eggs do you need to be freezing to be confident that you've got a family in the freezer? And I hate that yeah. term, but it is what it is. Yeah. So probably at 34, you're looking at needing about 15 or 20 eggs to be frozen to know that you've got good eggs of genetic competence to make you pregnant later down the line. Yeah. The same can't be said when you're 38, you need more. So the question to your 38-year-old oh, woman is... She was 34. Um, no, your 38-year-old woman on the yes. on the chat that said, shall I still freeze my eggs at 38? The, the question to her would be, get yourself looked at by a good clinician because actually, is it worth you doing it? Because if you're only going to get six eggs, if that's all we can do because that's what your AMH tells us we yeah. can do, mm. then I think my answer is no. Because you need a huge amount of eggs to protect your reproductive future at the age of 38. You need about 30 or 35 eggs. But if and that's to create one embryo. Uh, uh, no, hopefully more. But okay. again, it's the unknown, isn't it? So yeah. it's just, it's a statistics game. It's about knowing that of those eggs, at, say you collected 30, only 15 of them, or maybe let's go 12, would be genetically competent. Of those 12, only eight of them would fertilise. Of those eight only so many of them would but grow. Does that make say, sense? Sorry. No, you go ahead. When you, yeah, it does. When you say 30 eggs to have in the freezer, are those 30 eggs all mature eggs? Yes. 
So yeah, that is a lot. so then you've got to get more to start. It would with. take me years. So, it would. I don't think I'd ever get. But that. that's the point. So for someone yeah. like you, if you were thirty-eight, I a responsible yeah. clinician would be saying this to you and saying, "This is not like this isn't going to be a viable option for you. Please yeah. don't spend." 40 grand but yeah. what if she just really wanted a kid then maybe if she just really wants a kid we need to educate on having solo motherhood yeah. starting to talk oh, about I see. Sorry. dosing yeah. a donor sperm and creating embryos because okay. that's very different so okay right so you're not saying you're 38 it's no. not viable not at no all. children it's just i'm talking about egg freezing being a viable option egg free okay so in so that I case think... you'd look at doing embryo freezing yeah so you just you need to find some sperm you would just yeah Cool. Just need to find some sperm, but yeah, yeah, make that sound very simple. <laughs> it is actually quite simple, but yeah, is it? So yeah, sperm banks, catalogs, are... and donor banks. Yeah, catalogs. There's catalogs. Like mini oh my god, love that. <laughs> so, of the sperm, no, of the men. Photos <laughs> <laughs> flick through. Oh, nice sperm. I had one. My mum say to me once. She goes, "I've picked my donor." And I went, "Have you? That's lovely." Looks just like Brad Pitt. I said, "Okay." Oh my god, you see pictures of them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and the so American fun. banks, yeah. Not in the UK. The UK can't do anything. It's in the UK. You just get blind sperm. You get, but they're not blind. (laughs) It's not blind, but you—it's like a blind date. (laughs) A little bit. You get a characteristic profile. Oh wow! Of the sperm or of the man? Of the man. (laughs) So like he likes his hobbies and stuff. Yes. Do you? Oh my god! Six foot two, brown hair, blue eyes. Yep. Well, you're not going to do yourself dirty on that, are you? Like if you were if you were writing up your own thing and they want you want yeah. people to choose you, you're gonna make yourself sound really good. Catalogues. Lots Catalogues. Of in America. Uh, America do a lot of sperm donation. We also get a lot from Denmark. So the Scandinavian so the, do a lot of donation. Oh, so you can get so if you if you go to an in, like a sperm bank here in the UK, mm-hmm. is it all like UK sperm or do you import sperm? It depends where the person's. Uh, most of the time, they they because you have to commit to donating sperm for months on end. It's not like you go in and it's one job. They they commit to donating for six to twelve months. Um, it's a lovely routinely. thing that people do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is. And people donating their eggs in this country definitely because it has to be what we call altruistic, which means it's for the good, the greater good. Because you can't profit from it. Can you not? Yeah. No, not in this country. You're not you allowed to profit from any donation. Here. Wow. You yeah. can't profit from anything here. Wow. But in other countries, there is concern about donation around the sort of the remuneration they're yeah. getting. And if it's a little bit on the bribery edge on preying on the vulnerable. Yeah. So I think that is something to keep in mind if you're looking at donation is yeah. how you feel about those aspects. Yeah. Again, no judgment. It's not my yeah, business, yeah, yeah. but it's there are elements that need to be yeah. considered. Yeah. But in the UK, you are getting altruistic sperm. Yeah, they, they don't get anything for it. They literally get their train fare. Wow, that's nice of them. That is nice yeah. then. That's really nice. And people donating their eggs. I get that. I do a thing yeah. on Fridays called Feel Good Friday where people send in their good news of the week. Mm. And I'm actually getting uh, increasing, like, I'm seeing more and more women who are donating their eggs. Really? Just as their yeah, that is thing. definitely becoming. And I think, again, this comes from us thankfully wow. sat here doing this and highlighting the awareness that this is a real need. This yeah. is like really, there are women yeah. out there that don't have any eggs. Yeah. Um, multiple reasons. Yeah. Can't, can't go into that. But this is where we're at. Yeah. Can I. Zoom back yeah. to you mentioned the rise of solo, like the mm. how we should be talking about solo motherhood more, and like that as a, an option. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that more uh, rise? Definitely, that? yeah, definitely. I think that um, the stigma attached to being on your own, mm. the the need for a man or a partner to be in your life, all of that has shifted somewhat. Mm. Women have been now afforded the opportunities that they haven't been before. They have good careers. And ultimately, people are starting to not settle for any less than what Mm. they want to be as their perfect situation. Mm. Um, So I have watched women that have frozen eggs and have actually said to me, this is the reason I'm so glad I froze my eggs because now I didn't end up racing into a relationship with someone that I didn't really want to be with because I felt like I had some reproductive insurance. Mm. Egg freezing is not a complete insurance policy. We haven't got time to go in it. There's a lot about Mm. it. Mm. It should always be seen as an option, not an insurance policy. Mm. But she she made it she changed my mind on how I viewed it and she said I definitely would have just stayed in a relationship Mm. because I thought I should and I wanted to have a baby. And actually she's come out the other side and gone, I don't need to be with anyone to have a baby. So that whole that whole thing has become really I hate the word popular, but I think it's more highlighted and in a, in the culture we live in a bit more accepted. Yeah. Um, it's women, cool. and, and it's amazing. In theory, amazing. and I might be very wrong here, but in theory, that 
could be a very affordable way to have a baby because it's just insemination, right? You don't necessarily need any... It really depends, again, on the age of the patient coming to sit in front of you. Insemination can work really, really well in the right context. You wouldn't need to go... You just put it in. in. The right time at the right month with a bit of donor sperm, yeah. That's an yeah. option. IVF is an option. We, I, t- I suppose, to put it into my love, my my phrase of the day context is a lot of the women that come to do solo motherhood are a bit older, so in yeah. advanced maternal okay. age. So it is a little bit more challenging. So we do do a lot of IVF and creation of embryos right. in that cohort of mm. people. Yeah, God, that isn't so empowering. It like, is, isn't yeah, it? I love yeah, that. that's so cool. Really cool. Um, to wrap up, I'm sorry to like press on this, but to wrap up the conversation, because I think a lot of people are asking about egg freezing, mm. to wrap up that conversation and to kind of debunk the idea that egg freezing doesn't work. Mm. It does work. It does work. Mm. And have you seen it happen? In I your... do it. I, I mean, I do it a huge amount now, more than I used to. So I'll give you some numbers. So when the Eve Well opened in 2018, mm. Mm. 8%, 6% of our cases were for egg freezing. By 2020, it was 12%. By 2021, it was 15 2022 was 20%. And this year already, we are at 29% of our cases at egg freezing. Wow. I think the thing to be aware of with egg freezing is we are a real technologically brilliance now. We've got it right. Yeah. But the results you're seeing are from five, six years ago. Right. Because the average the average time it takes a woman to come back and use her frozen eggs is about mm. five or six years. Okay. So the results you're getting from... You can't, you can't determine whether an egg's tolerated it all until you thaw them out got it so you can put them in the freezer mm. and it can all go really well but actually the flip side of that is mm. they have to survive and they have to fertilize and they have to do all the bits they need to do to mm. make a, a human so we're still the stats we're on now are sort of six year delayed from where i think we are mm. i think we're in a really really good place now if a woman was 30 years old and she was single and she knew she wanted children at what point and she did her fertility tests and everything looked normal. At what point would you say to her, and, and she, assuming she remains single, single, at what point would you say egg freezing might be something to look into? I think if she's still on her own and is still in a position where she wants to have children and she's not sure, or actually, or even if she's not in a position where she quite knows if she wants to have children. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a real conversation at the yeah. moment is I actually don't know what I want to do but I don't want the option to be taken away from me yeah. and that's okay you've got to put the financial element in this egg yeah. freezing is mm. is expensive yeah. um I would say before you're 33 34 really yeah get them in the freezer mm. okay because they're just more likely to work yeah and the longer yeah. we leave it the more we need yeah. and the more we need the more rounds we need the more yeah. expensive so it, it is it is more yeah. expensive yeah. Yeah. yeah so basically as soon as possible yeah, yeah. I don't I, I mean I'm certainly not advocating for 21 year olds walking into the clinic the minute we're yeah. illegally allowed to do it because I don't I think the statistics show that actually the decline between fertility between 21 and 34 is actually mm. not great it's it's negligible it's as we get into that advanced maternal age so yeah I would say that's what we normally say to patients wow. can I ask a selfish question then mm. it's on that so so if from 21 to 20 34 fertility doesn't decline that much Mm. would that mean that then I mean I was tested for AMH when I was 33 Mm. would that mean that I've always had a very low AMH potentially I just presumed it was because of my age no not all I mean again don't know because we've never tested you but no Mm. potentially potentially that just was your makeup does lifestyle affect you uh, a woman as much as it affects a man if, if sperm counts being reduced due to a lifestyle it's the same thing. Yeah, lifestyle is a massive, a massive problem and in like fertility. Our like, like humankind's lifestyle. Bit of both, but I will say that, like, I have seen males, men turn their sperm counts around from ditching the crap, really? the vaping, really? the recreational drugs. Really? All of those can really hit your sperm count really, and really hard. And you can hard. turn it around. Yeah. You, oh, can, well, you, nice can, you can, you can, you yeah. can. If you're giving them again, again, when people are looking to do IVF, um, I always say. I think we'll probably come on to this because I think one of the questions is maybe we'll go there at the end but I always say get yourself in a really good nutritional nutritional place there's very little you can control about IVF very mm. little a lot of it's out of even my control but the bits you can control is how you look after yourself in yeah. the run up to anything yeah so sperm takes 120 days to be made in the testicles 90 oh, to 120 that they're remaking it yeah. Yeah. and women's eggs although they are already in your body they're being recruited and that recruitment process takes between 90 and 120 days as well mm. so you can get yourself in a really good nutritional space mm. and get rid of all the crap and all the vaping like i said that is we know that vaping is really bad for sperm is it 
cocaine's really bad for sperm. Is it? Yeah. They um, should put that on the fucking billboards, the anti-vaping ones. Yeah. I thought you were going to say they should, we should put that on the cocaine packets. I'm not sure anyone's <laughs> regulating that. Yeah, what, the little baggies? <laughs> Who can we talk to about that? <laughs> can put a big stamp on the packets of cocaine. Yeah. I'm not That's sure we're going to win that one. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. So there is things you That's can do shame. to make sure that you've got some control over what you put in your body, right? Yeah, no, that's really that's really good to hear. So people, yeah, people recreationally. Do you know though? I f- I found that I had to take that nutritional advice with a pinch of salt oh, a little bit. Say, stop taking cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop taking cocaine. Really it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm back doing it again. So it's fine. <laughs> the baby is thriving. <laughs> yeah. Lots of movement. Lot of movement. Um, yeah, that I I found that I had to find the balance with that because yeah. that freaked me out a bit at first because I remember the first round that I did. I was like, oh, yeah. I can't eat any crap and I'm scared and I've got to eat like loads of mushrooms and pom- pomegranates and, and all of that. And that re- I feel like that took its toll on me a bit and kind of made me yeah, freak out. I, yeah, about I, think, food. I think when we say nutritional space, I suppose it's about it's about good living isn't it it's not about drinking a bottle of vodka on a friday night it's not about i think yeah, i think you have to it has to work with your life it has to work within your framework yeah yeah um but there are certainly things that need to piss off if you're going to start doing yeah like really committing to conceiving and stuff like that if it's yeah. not working without yeah. Yeah. getting it to piss off if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah totally cool so sperm can be affected by nutrition by what the man is consuming and question sorry um, is, if you sit with a laptop on your willy, does it affect your sperm? It's about heat. So lots of things hot that... Hot balls. Hot balls, they hang outside your body for oh. a reason. They, they don't want oh, wow. to be hot. Really? Yeah. So that's why they don't dangle down just for like, entertainment value. Sorry, it's Stop. just dangle. <laughs> balls that dangle. Do you know what my favourite word is? This will, this, will, this will help with this conversation. My favourite word... No, no, it's not dangle. It's scrotum. Oh, oh, that's such a bad word. Scrotum is my favourite word because it's... Scrotum. It's, it's, it sounds itchy. Just, just, oh, so they sit outside your body because your body temperature is 37 and okay. testicular function is optimal at 35. So your, your testicles sit outside your body. So if there is any Many reason testicles. that your testicles are too close to your body if you are and this will come up in our BMI conversation so if you as a man are very overweight mm. your testicles are closer to your body so they get hot oh no that's interesting so you get lower <gasps> sperm counts you get lower sperm counts from men who spend multiple hours on their bikes again because they're not because of the actual cycling it's because your testicles are close to your body and so your testicles are sitting at 37 more often than they're sitting at 35 so it can't take over chefs are sweating chefs have a really really low sperm count naturally because their testicles are all by ovens really gordon ramsay's a massive talker about this he talks about this quite a lot yeah he talks about him needing xe to have his children some of his children um, because they have they get hot you get hot by the ovens laptops are the same did not know so this. So it's not about the laptop, it's about the heat. What is it really you lost? Oh my god. Oh my god. Next to an oven. It's a lot. So it's about oh, heat. That is so so interesting. anything that keeps your testicles hot for a large portion of the day. <laughs> so I love this. <laughs> She's got my giggle. Testicles. How old are you? I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> On their own, without a willy, testicles are just funny. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I think they're funny even with, with the willy. Even with the willy, they're still quite very funny. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it's anyway, all to do with sorry, heat. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And it's all to do with function. Right. So they can't function at that temperature. So, and that's so... why men shouldn't have hot baths either. Again, that's actually a bit of a myth because oh. it's only for 20 minutes. So Not Dave's Not Mike, no. He <laughs> okay, goes well. for four hours. <laughs> God, I know. You get wrinkly. He's making um, little dumplings. But I think it's, again, my lovely word, context. It's it's about how long you spend at that temperature, right? Okay. I, I like short exposures aren't going to do it. I love this. And it's just broken. I love it that testicles break people so much. thinking about Dave's dumplings? <laughs> <laughs> Should we call this episode Dave's dumplings? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'm all right. Okay, one last question about sperm really quickly because actually a lot of people ask this. Does age affect male fertility, sperm? Yeah. yeah. And why don't we talk about that? Because Mick Jagger has all done us all that. <laughs> yes. A conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. Who's the other guy? 
Rod, Rod Stewart. Oh, Robert De Niro, um, De Niro's just Rod like Stewart. Stewart. They were all having kids in their 70s and 80s. Of course it's possible, but They're it is a happen. complete misconception that men do not have a decline in fertility. Mm-hmm. They absolutely okay. do. It is not as dramatic as females. And ultimately, given the world we live in, most of the time you are with someone close to your age group. Mm. So a man in his 50s is with a woman in her 50s. So you ain't going to notice if he's got no sperm left because they're not trying to conceive anymore because she can't conceive anymore. So it's always on the woman. It's when we start to... So go back to what we were talking about a bit earlier about donor sperm. There is a cutoff for donor sperm of 45 the reason is because there is a fertility decline right. and a quality thing as men age. So they do have a menopause. Mm. It's just not as dramatic. Doesn't involve hot flashes as much as women. Um, doesn't make right. you quite as bonkers. Um, <laughs> but it exists. Yeah. And it's, un- you know, it's like it's we've got all these celebrities that maybe. But they they're going out with 20 year olds. Yeah. And instead of needing a whole heap of sperm, you just need a couple because yeah. the eggs are so young. Yeah. yeah. So. It's completely misconstrued. So, so does it become like you just end up with empty semen? No, no. They, I mean, it's very unusual that you'd end up with no sperm in a man, like even a man that's in his seventies or eighties. But would they have something. genetically incompetent? No, sperm. it doesn't work like that because okay. it's because they have, they're not born with all their dormant. sperm. Yeah, okay. But what they will end up is lower counts, lower mm. motility. Mm. It won't move as well. Slower. Probably go to sleep a little bit. Just like men themselves. Exactly. Sperm and men, hand in hand. Yeah. Um, So yes, it absolutely does decline. Yeah. Okay. Um, It does. BMI and fertility. Um, I know you were a bit nervous about answering this question because this is, and this is a very emotive thing because obviously BMI is a barrier for a lot of people Mm -hmm. when it comes to accessing fertility, Mm -hmm. like especially on the NHS. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are asking how you know they're struggling to conceive but when they go to the doctor mm. the only thing that's brought up is their weight yeah they're, they're, yeah and this is this is a big question but like how how can they navigate that so it and it is about navigating it and it's about making sure that you get the right advice to what you should be doing so there's a really good um, fertility coach on instagram called fat positive fertility who i would recommend that yes. anyone who is struggling to access fertility care because of their BMI Mm. has a look at her page and a chat with her because she Mm. does quite a lot on how you advocate for yourself and Mm. how you make sure that you are given the right tests for when you're trying to conceive. There are a lot of facts around fertility treatment and high BMIs in the fact that, and I think this is a really important one to note, the drugs don't work in the same way and we have to mimic like there's a lot of I think a lot of doctors go away from treating women of high BMI is because it's challenging. And yeah. I think if you are picking a clinic to have fertility treatment in, there are two things I'd say. Make sure the doctor knows exactly what they're doing. They, mm. they shouldn't be guessing this. There is a protocol. I'm not going to pretend to know it because I'm not clinical enough. But what I will say is that there are a lot of clinics that do not have the facilities to sedate women with high BMIs. And that is to do with the regulations around medical treatment in this country, anaesthetist, and it's all to do with the anaesthetist regulations. So you need to pick a clinic that can support you being sedated. So I suppose those are my medical facts, but I would say anyone who is struggling to access basic fertility investigations should probably look at someone like Fat Positive Fertility and how they have, can advocate with you. because I, I just don't know enough about the roots in. Mm. Um, and I do really think it's 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 badly done. It's very, and I feel, I feel awful for these people going in and just being told this is all it's about. It's not all about that. No. But there are challenges that should be discussed. And I think that's important to discuss them and find out what they yeah. actually are rather yeah. than people saying you can't have IVF yeah. because you're this BMI. And it's like, well, what? tell me why. I think that's really interesting yeah. it's because of that. Yeah. And stimulation medication, is that yeah, right? Yeah, so it doesn't take as well in high BMI because it you do need more of it um, mm. and it doesn't respond as well because as we get a higher BMI, we have more, normally more fat cells that produce estrogen. So right. it's to do with the hormonal conflict. Um, Mm. Again, I'm not a clinician. I'm not going to go into it. But I think it's really important that you find a doctor that understands Mm. what your needs are and Mm. they can treat you appropriately. But it has to be in a clinical setting where you can actually go through any treatment that you need to have. Mm. What I hate seeing is people come in for investigations and then get told, well, we can't treat you here because we don't have the facilities. Yeah. So there are like go fat positive fertility has probably got a lot of information Mm. that can help women Mm 
navigate their way through what yeah. is an incredibly difficult situation to be in but fertility bottom line fertility treatment is possible yeah absolutely when you're in a larger body absolutely it's just finding the right people and who are going to be able to help and you. it's actually finding someone that is going to do it with mm. you mm. and not work against you yeah. absolutely yeah amazing thank you so much oh my god we've... this is amazing <laughs> i had literally had about a thousand more questions to ask you but we've got to wrap up thank you so much you're very welcome thank you so much for coming in thank you so much this for is the most fun podcast i've ever done <laughs> yes that is the feedback that we live yes. for <laughs> thank you so much this was absolutely fascinating i learned so much in this hour like yeah a lot thank you so much thank you so much thank you Should I Delete That is part of the ACAST Creator Network Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out Mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market